Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Locked On Ravens, brought to you by Russell Street Report and part of the Locked On Network. Here are today's hosts, Josh Sroka and Ken McCusick. All right, another episode of Locked On with Ken McCusick, uh, Locked On Ravens. Ken, really bad loss last week, so let's just forget about that game and have you bought your tickets to London yet? <laughs> excited about that we will be going uh wanted to see a game in Wembley for a long time but this will be fun yeah it'll it'll be cool and hey it's we don't lose a home game so that's that's good news yeah I guess uh it, it was kind of guaranteed but of course no one ever wants to even risk losing a home game they did put a part of the CBA recently that the Super Bowl site cannot be it's not part of the CBA but you know the owner's agreement that that the Super Bowl site will not be selected unless the team that plays there has already lost a home game to London. And so uh, that was strange. kind of an interesting thing. But they're not going to have the Super Bowl in Baltimore anyway, not ever. So, you know, we are what we are. Right. And and everyone, right, for weeks we've been hearing about the whole uh, Maryland Stadium Authority doesn't allow home games outside. But we all know that in big businesses like the NFL, you work things out. If they wanted it to be a, a, a home game in, in London, they'd work something out with the stadium authority. Yeah, I agree. So, um, all right. I guess now we got to get to it. Last night, Monday Night Football, another national game for the Ravens to showcase and show what they've got, and they struggled again. They did. They really uh, they had their troubles in this game. There were multiple reasons on defense. Uh, in some ways, it's amazing the game was as close as it was. The Patriots kind of let them back into the game. Yeah, the score makes no sense for what we saw. I agree. I think the Patriots dominated the game by a greater degree. The two special teams turnovers were huge in getting the Ravens two touchdowns yep. on short fields and back in the game. Sure. So, um, well, uh, where do you want to start? Okay, well, I mean, I think the big story from this game was how Brady attacked the Ravens' defense. And, you know, I've got some some comments on this on the website that say, you know, like, if you're telling me this, then water is also wet. Oh, my God, you know, what's going on? Um, but, but it really was a very special, indicative performance of uh, what Brady is capable of. And, and here's the big thing. Brady had a very limited set of receivers for this game. Martellus Bennett was in, but he's playing a little bit banged up and hurt. Edelman was their receiver, was off to a lousy start in the game. And um, he does not have a real quality set of receivers to work for. But that didn't deter him because rather than go for the quality of his own receivers, Brady found a way to attack the weakest defenders on the Ravens. And most of the time that was individuals. Occasionally also it was some scheme breakdowns that the Ravens had or some scheme weaknesses the Ravens had. And Brady was just as successful as I've ever seen a quarterback in one game attacking another defense's weaknesses. Yeah, just – yeah, I was just going to say, it seemed like he yeah, he always found the right spot to get the ball out. It didn't matter how much pressure was coming on him. There was always the guy, the right guy to throw to. Yeah, 
and then the right defender to throw against. And unfortunately, yes. I mean, you just go through the plays. I've listed all of the uh, nine plays that were really the biggest plays of the game for the for the Patriots out on the website. So I'd like you to go out there, and there's a lot more detail. But just to go through these in very brief order, late in Q1, he matched up Edelman against Powers. He got a man coverage on a crossing route, and Edelman made him look foolish for a 28-yard gain, 13 of that coming after the catch. Um, he lined up. This is one of the really bad ones. White was on Mosley on the Mosley was on White. I should say on the far outside, um, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Caught a nine-yard pass, tacked on 52 yak to that for a 61-yard play. Um, that's just one of those matchups that's that's you know it's going to be very difficult for Mosley to cover a fast back like that. Right. Um, the third and sixth play that went for the touchdown. Tavon Young was the target, but Tavon Young was left on an island against Mitchell. And there was no other player anywhere close. And it was really just an easy pitch-and-catch touchdown that Brady got the ball in before the uh, Weddle could close from the other side. So good play there. And, you know, just sick of saying this in summer. Um, quarter two, midway through, Brady had a 27-yard pass. The interesting thing about that one was that Mosley really had the underneath coverage and was the only one who had a chance to make the play. Behind him, Weddle was trailing. Um, and, uh, again, really no chance to, to get to that ball. Um, the very next play, the Ravens give up another 34-yard play. And what, what happened there? Well, they had two players playing zone on that side. And on top was right, underneath was or. And they probably had the biggest gap I'd ever seen in zone defense, 15 yards between the two. And uh, Mitchell caught the ball directly between the two, easily eluded right, and picked up 16 yak on the play. So the, the large amounts of yak were a were – a, Yeah, that uh, was a problem. Yeah, a fairly consistent theme here. Um, they ran that flea flicker, and they got single coverage on right crossing for a 28-yard gain. You probably remember that. Yep. I play, by the way, that flea flicker. Didn't you think – you don't usually it, see a run to one side pitched back. It was a really good play that – you didn't expect in that part of the game. It's the type of play you bring out when things are tight and close. And at that point, the Patriots were stomping on the Ravens. Yeah, they were up. They were up. I guess sixteen nothing at that point, or sixteen three, sixteen three probably. Um, anyway, let's keep going here. Um, they had uh, the touchdown that Martellus Bennett caught. Orr was in coverage, and it looked like Orr kind of had contested coverage there because he had his hands on the ball up, and he got his hands on the ball, but he's really just face guarding. And then he tried right. to strip Bennett of the ball as they went down, and obviously he he surrendered the touchdown at that point. Um, you know, Obviously, that's not the coverage matchup they want, and Orr has had a lot of trouble in coverage this year, despite the fact I'm a huge fan of Orr. He is a fantastic two-down player, but just in coverage, he's, he's really – a liability he, for the Ravens. But he did seem to be in a lot of plays. He had a few tackles yesterday. His name was getting called a, a good amount, it seemed, yesterday. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, he's he's a very fine player. The, the, the issue always comes down to when you get a third down, he's one of the easy targets to throw at. And Brady picked on him several times in this one. So um, then we come to the big play. And I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about this, Josh, because uh, Q4, 628, the Ravens had just cut the lead to 23-20 on Tucker's field goal, and the crowd was kind of humming in that low, murmury way. They were very uh, uh I know where you're going concerned. with this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're, you're going to the Matt Elam play. Yeah, the, what everybody is calling the Matt Elam yes, play. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if you look at the overhead, the top view shot, there's been some problems because that didn't come out on Game Pass early, but they had it actually on the broadcast. And if you look at it, you'll see something very unusual. 
the Patriots lined up with three wide receivers split. And I would say 100% of the time when you have three cornerbacks on the field, meaning you have the nickel, and there's three wide receivers split, literally 100% of the time, those three cornerbacks will line up opposite those three receivers. Right. Well, for whatever reason in this game, it didn't happen. We had Webb and uh, opposite the receiver on the right, and Wright was playing far off the receiver on the right. It's almost like they were they were, you know, playing a two-man coverage on that guy, where Matt Elam and Tavon Young were left alone in single coverage matchups all, against the two wide receivers. And to make matters worse, Eric Weddle, the, the only safety who was deep, was shaded well over towards the right to help out Wright and Webb. And if you look at how the play developed, it's even it's, it gets worse than that. First of all, the left, sorry, the tight end who was also on the side with uh, with Wright and Webb, he didn't even go out for a pass, so he stayed in the block. So now you've got three guys over there covering one. Then it got a little worse because there was a play fake and Weddle bit on it, reducing any chance that he could get back deep to the middle of the field. And then we saw Elam stumble on that replay a couple times, and it looked like, oh my goodness, Matt Elam's done it to us again. Right. But in point of fact. Matt Elam should have been deep on that play. Webb should have been on the slot receiver. And Matt Elam still might not have gotten the job done, but uh, but that play would have would have had a chance to be stopped. All right. So so Elam is the easy guy to blame. Weddle goes out and takes the blame. But on your film study, you're saying Webb's out of position. Yeah, I think it's Webb. Um, because Wright is a standard outside cornerback and he plays right corner he really has to be on the on the wide receiver on that side so the slot web as the slot corner needs to be on the on the guy who's in the slot whichever side that's on so in my opinion web was out of position on the play and and weddle's getting the blame for it but uh, but that's how i saw it and that that kind of that's the play that kind of sealed the game it did that put him back up by 10 and i think the uh the air went right out of the sails of that comeback at that point even though the ravens scored and cut it to seven and had a chance, uh, you know, go for what may have been an ill-advised onside kick. They uh, they uh, did uh, have a chance. Yeah, well, when we talk offense, we're going to talk about that because I've got lots of questions about the the lack of uh, speed for the offense as well as that onside kick and the timing. Fair of that. enough. So we'll we'll deal with that with the offensive side. Um, that was a that play in particular was struggle. It seemed like the Ravens were putting pressure on Brady but could never get to him so let's talk about the pass rush but let's take that break we need to take real quick and let's come back and talk about how the pass rush performed is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. All right, this is Locked on Ravens, and I'm with Ken McCusick. Ken just broke down and explained to us that it's not Matt Elam's fault. But let's move on to the pass rush, because I th- feel like we only got to Brady. We knocked him down a couple times. I think there was one sack. How'd the pass rush do? Yeah, one sack. A bad, bad night for the pass rush. Really bad night giving Brady ample time in the pocket. So ample time and space statistic, we've talked about it fair enough. I don't think we have to redefine it again this week. But the Patriots dropped back 39 times in the game. 
Uh, Brady had ATS 25 of those 39, which is 64%, is significantly above a normal 50%-ish rate. Uh, and uh, for Brady, that's going to be death because he's going to pick you apart and find the receiver, the matchup he wants to find under that uh, under those circumstances. Right. So uh, very unfortunate game. They rushed four on 29 of the plays, and they gave up 20 ATS opportunities out of 29. And when you look at those plays, those are really the ones that made the difference in the game. Those 29 throws should have gone for about 201 yards based on normal amounts of ATS and not ATS. And honestly, this is using Joe Flacco's statistics, so you'd expect Brady to do a little better than this. But they should have gone for about 201 yards. On those 29 plays, the Patriots actually gained 337 yards on those pass plays. So uh, that was the that was a difference. That's a plus 136 in Brady's column just against the four-man pass rush alone. And uh, and that was really the difference in the game. So the, the Patriots ended up finishing with 10.3 yards per pass play in this game. By the way, you want more detail on ATS, please do go out to Russell Street Report, look for film study. The website out there has a nice table of pass rush. And it's difficult to communicate that in an on-air environment. But you know, for people who are really into it and want to dig in a little bit, you can... You can take a look there. I mean, we were going up against Tom Brady. Tom, Tom Brady is clearly the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's having an unbelievable year. Mm-hmm. To to go out there and perform like this, the uh, without star receivers, with yeah, without uh, Gronk, he has he's barely had Gronk this season, and the season he's having is unbelievable. Right. I mean, 19 touchdowns and one interception coming into the game last night. He did throw a, another pick in this one, which is, you know, a feather, I guess, in the Ravens cap that they got a pick against him. But the pass rush not only really gave him a lot of ATS, they really gave him a lot of four second pockets, not just threes where right. he had time to pick and choose and pick and choose. Um, they, normally, when I score a game and it's just a little insight into how this works, but I, I'll I'll sit there and there'll be there'll be a lot of plays that are kind of close in terms of whether or not it was an ATS opportunity or not. And I have to go back there and time using the um, DVR and the DVR. If you if anybody's interested, I've published a lot of information about this on the website. You can go out there and see it. But you actually can time with your DVR if you have direct TV accurate to within point zero three seconds just using the DVR and the cl- a click system. Uh, that's available to you. So I can I can determine whether or not something was actually held up for three exact seconds. And you can also look at things like did a lineman move before the snap using that same functionality, the DVR. So it's kind of neat. It's built in there. If you want to know about it, go out to the website and there's there's ways to do that. But anyway, my point is ball out quick is a designation I often have to put on a pass. And that means it happened. The The pass was out under three seconds. And I don't think that the pocket would have held up for three full seconds. Well, in this case, there were only three of his 39 pass plays where I labeled his ball out quick because they just had they had the pass rush locked up so easily. Even though he threw a lot of balls quickly, those pockets were going to hold up anyway, and it really wasn't a question of having to label things ball out quick. For Flacco, there were a fair number of ball out quicks where he was good at getting the ball out, but the but the line might not have held up. So right, right, uh, yeah, and we talked about that I believe last week about how you how you adjust to that. Um, what happened to Terrell Suggs? Yeah, he disappeared. If you missed him, uh, that's because he wasn't there. Um, he was on the field for 33 pass snaps. He had just a single pass defense, which is really bad. Um, he was on the field. The Patriots had 402 net passing yards of their 401 net passing yards for the game. 
So 402 of the 401. And that's not a miss, you know, that's a, not right, a right. misstatement. He, they, they had negative one yards without Terrell Suggs on the field. So the passing yards per play with Suggs on were 12.2, which is, a, you know, definitely one of the low points of his career in terms of a, of a single game play. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a game that he he normally gets hyped up for. We he normally he performs well in big games. Yeah. Um yeah, that's crazy. Um Dumerville, I saw he got he got in there, he got a couple uh hits on Brady. Yeah, one of the problems was that a couple of quarterback hits came late and they were even uh, one of the ones by Guy and maybe both, I think one anyway, was an ATS anyway. So it was ample time and space, then Guy hit him after the ball was out and uh you know, that was good. But Guy and Dumerville were really the only two guys who got any reasonable pressure. Guy had two quarterback hits, two other pressures, and 21 pass snaps, which is very good for an interior lineman. And Elvis Dumerville had two quarterback hits and three pressures in 29 pass plays, which is solid also. So uh, good games from those two. Everybody else really was not there. So uh, plenty of opportunity, and, and they were not getting pressure on Brady. Uh, that's going to make – that. That, that, that's going to make our next segment, the defensive stars of the game, really fun. <laughs> when when the, when the defense was just getting ran over. Yeah, the secondary didn't do anything. None of the coverage did anything, and nobody on the line did anything. You're right. It was a difficult yeah, one. It was a difficult one. And uh, was there a, how much time was the defense out on the field? Were they tired? Did Because they, they started out, and they put some pressure on. And the beginning of the game, I said, all right, this is going to be your typical Raven game. Yeah, they had, they had a couple three and outs to start the game, so that was good. Um, and then the then the Patriots had a long sequence of drives lasting until they got up twenty three to three. And then I thought the game kind of reversed in terms of who was getting tired. I thought the Patriots actually were on the field a lot more defensively. They had those three consecutive short drives, one where they failed to get a first down, but they punted, and then they got the ball back immediately, and they scored in two plays, and then they kicked off, and they got the ball back on the on the fumble. They scored in four plays, I think. So all put together, they had about a 12-play drive, split over three drives, and two touchdowns. Yeah, it's so. – <laughs> um, yeah, I got – I don't understand if – I think the problem is the Dolphins game last week hyped us up a little too much that I – so many Raven fans, we all thought we were going to win this game. We were going to upset the big Belichick-Brady uh, throne. We were going to knock him down. And never came close this week. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. There were a couple of big plays in the game you could point to, but there's other big plays that the, the Patriots. I mean, Cyrus Jones, the foot touching, the ball touching his foot. If that doesn't happen, the game isn't close. The fumble by Slater. If that doesn't happen, the game isn't close. The the um, uh, I thought that on the interception by who was it, McCourty that McCourty interfered with Wallace prior to the interception. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised that was not pass interference, and that was a big play late in that the game. That was a very big play. But the, but Wallace had an awful game. Oh, my God. Before the punt, the, the drop by Wallace, uh, you know, it, fortunate that it worked out and the Ravens got the ball on the two-yard line or wherever they got it anyway. But uh, the, the drop by Wallace on the play before, just a horrible play. It, it, it was There were so many drop balls. I'm sure we're going to yeah. talk about that. So many, like, hitting the numbers, and they couldn't go away with it. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, the Ravens definitely did have a few chances there that, that things could have gone better. Um, but uh, it's it's hard to point to two or three plays, even though this is a one-score game, that would have turned this game around. Yeah. Um, I I told you we're not going to drill. We're not going to dig into this game too much because we all just want to move past this. 
But the problem is that we got to go past this. So let's take a break. We're going to do the third segment. We'll quickly go through our defensive stars, if you want to call them stars. Very quickly. Um, and then we got to talk about the, the rest of the season. The the playoff chances, how that lays out right now, or and or if we need to just decide this season's over. So. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. All right, Ken. Defensive stars of the game. A bad name for the segment this week, but uh, it's all right. We come up with three, and you know, uh, you you go with guys with real stats, and I get creative and and find three other guys to point out something they did. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to get creative this week too because I, I I could only come up with two. But I'll I'll start with my number three guy, and that's Chris Moore. And I'm going to special teams to get it, but Chris Moore has had a remarkable special team season this year for a guy who was supposed to come in and be a real receiving talent and be a deep threat with real speed. Uh, he's made all his contributions on punt, punt plays, punt coverage, and punt blocks. And in this case, it was a remarkable cover-up. A terrible play by, by Cyrus Jones to let that ball hit his foot. It was an even worse play that he didn't cover the ball after it hit his foot. You know, just right. awful. Yep, yep. Uh my number three uh, guy is the Ravens front office for finally cutting Devin Hester today. Oh, did they cut him today? They, I didn't even hear. Oh, yeah. They released him today. It's, it, I've been wanting it for weeks. It finally happened today. Oh, that's great to hear. So Campanero is, is active, I assume. Yes, exactly. That's, that's, that's really good to hear because I'll just say, go back to my experience in camp, was that Campanero was remarkable. I was scoring every punt and kickoff return for two things. One is – how did they set up to catch the ball? And two is, how explosive were they coming out of that catch? And Campanero was consistently getting the highest ratings for catching the ball in stride and then being really explosive out of that uh, out of that uh, catch. So uh, very impressive. And, and he will not have the same kind of catching problems that Hester's had. That, that, that's good to hear because that's all we wanted last night was for Hester to just fair catch everything. And instead – you to let two balls go down to that one yard line was ridiculous yeah so all right. a new crimes against humanity card for for devin hester uh yeah he he was not he put that senior on his jersey and he was never the same guy that we thought we brought in <laughs> so uh who who's your second guy okay my number two guys elvis doomerville uh he gets he gets it for providing some pressure in an otherwise fairly barren game of of defensive effort all right, that, I can take that. My number two is uh, Weddle for getting the interception. You don't often get interceptions off Brady. Uh, total Brady mistake to throw it there, but Weddle still is the guy who came up with it. Yeah, and Weddle had a sack too, so I, I don't I don't hate that call, and maybe he should have been my number three, but I, I want to penalize him for not being in position and biting on the play fake on the 79-yard TD. So um, anyway, that's where I am on Weddle. My number one guy, Lawrence Guy. So uh, he's been just playing great lately really had another fine game here the two qhs two two pressures which that's hard to do from the inside and only in 21 pass plays so he's easily my number one guy now now see this is rare where i have found the guy who helped the ravens even more than you 
because I'm going with Cyrus Jones because <laughs> no one helped the Ravens uh, defense as much as Cyrus Jones. Uh, so each each team had a mole. They had Hester and we had Jones for. Uh, I mean, was it the Cold War? Without Cyrus Jones, I don't know if we score more than three points. Yeah, big completion down the left sideline against him. In addition to the punt, uh, the uh, punt boot. Yep. Oh, good choice. So, um, the other thing that happened, yes, last night was the unfortunate uh, first missed uh, field goal by Tucker. So I wanted to ask you about that. We all know that guy jumps your center. Mm-hmm. You, I would also say that from watching on TV, once he jumps the center, there is no way you can kick the ball past him. That's right. So as I watch that on TV, I don't understand why the holder doesn't just dive on the ball and just take it down because if you kick it, there's so many things that can go wrong like they return it for a touchdown. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I don't I don't know if he has the reaction time to know that. One of the things that that you can do is if the uh, if the center is contacted on the play, then it's a foul. Right. There's a there's a penalty called. So I don't know what they normally teach the holder in terms of hey, get it down anyway. Yeah. And the, the other possibility is that the that the guy who jumps the center may run into the kicker. So you 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 got a okay. potential chances for something to help you out there so i guess they did what they did you know it's it's a miss for tucker it's a block for tucker obviously right. it's it's not really a black mark on tucker's record but it will affect his career field goal percentage and yeah and he, the, the thing that sucked is that he was one away from the ravens team record for, 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 consecutive. for consecutive so it's a poor way i just don't understand that i i really feel like the ravens should be more prepared for that so that was unfortunate yeah, it, the thing one thing you can do is you can alter your snap count. You can actually have a hard count by whoever's calling the signals on the on the um, on the uh, uh, field goal unit. So that guy, if he faints up, he gets stopped by the by there being another count to go. So yeah, it, it can be stopped. It looks like we did that for the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree. That's what I thought I saw too. So, all right. So where do we go from here? How's the playoff chances look? Should we even hold out hope in the playoff chances? Well, it's the playoff chances, frankly, were not greatly reduced by last night. First of all, the, the, the likelihood was that the Ravens were going to lose this game anyway. They only really had maybe a 25% chance to win this game, depending on who you who you would ask about it. But the real the game in, in Pittsburgh will probably still decide the AFC North title. Um, it may also decide the wild card as well, because... The Ravens have a, a very good chance to make the playoffs if they can go nine and seven with any combination of two out of three. Uh, the, the Ravens are are in the catbird seat with regard to tiebreakers in the AFC due to their lousy record, frankly, against the NFC, which means their conference record, their in-conference record, is very good. It, it won't be worse uh, if they finish at nine and seven. So, it won't be worse than eight and four. Okay, so you're saying even if we only win two of the next three, we still have a shot at that wild card. Yeah, I think any two. I think honestly, any two will do it. Um, and what will happen have to happen? There's several things that have to happen. The uh, Miami Dolphins have to lose one game, but they just lost Ryan Tannehill, and we don't know if it's for the rest of the season. Right. Okay. And the the other thing that has to happen is Denver has to lose two out of three. But Denver plays the three teams who are a combined 31 and eight now uh, have 10, 10, and 11 wins. Right. They've the got Patriots, a tough. Patriots. Yeah. Very tough schedule. Two on the road too. Okay. 
Well, that that gives me a little hope. I I was sure it was came down to Christmas, and we've been calling for weeks that this season's going to all come down to Christmas. Uh, so it still does. Yeah, I, I think it still does. And and honestly, you know, the wild card would be a, a consolation prize only. I want a home playoff game. So that means you gotta you gotta go ahead and go into Pittsburgh, win that game, and then your reward might be playing Pittsburgh again in the uh, in the playoffs. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean. But what we all really want is to go back to New England. Yeah, for for the AFC Championship, let's right. hope, and not, right, not before then. Right, no, New England's going to stick around. So we'd love to uh, get to them late in uh, in the playoff run. So, All right, Ken, uh, let's push people again to Russell Street Report to dig into this a lot more uh, thoroughly and uh, look under film study. They can follow you on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Love to be part of the discussion there. And uh, I think you said it all, Josh. Tell us a little bit about your show. Yeah, my show is Section 336. And uh, we're recording a new episode this, this evening in actually just a few minutes. And tonight we're going to have Jonah Heim on the show, who is a former cool. Ravens uh, draft pick who we traded to the Rays this summer for Steve Clevenger. So we're going to get into the whole uh, what's it like to be traded. And besides just being a minor league player, the whole being traded to a completely different organization is... Uh, he was like one of four catchers in the Orioles organization who was a pro prospect, right, this this last summer? Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's a great guy, great great chances of uh, becoming a pro at one point, making it to the big leagues. Um, great family, and it's, it'll be cool to catch up with him. So, all right, Ken. Well, we'll talk soon. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.